This episode is also brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a family-owned small-batch winery that proudly supports first responders, veterans, as well as cancer survivors and fighters. If you order from Thin Vine Wines, $2 of each bottle sold is donated to nonprofits which supports first responders, the military, cancer research, and disaster relief. And isn't that what we all want, to feel good about feeling good? Well, that's what Thin Vine Wines is all about. Well, in these crazy times, let the 10-8 podcast help you too. Now, when you order two or more bottles of wine, you use promo code 108, T-E-N, the number 8, to check out, and you get $10 off your order. Again, that's 108, T-E-N, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. And let me tell you, I just had their Thin Blue Vine on vacation, and it was amazing. So please, check them out at thinvinewines.wine, and enjoy. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of the 10A Podcast. Today is going to be a great episode. On the show today is a social media cop extraordinaire. Along with Mike the Cop and Officer Daniels, this guy led the way with the Humanizing the Badge movement several years ago, making a ton of videos and other amazing content that really paved the way for police to entertain the masses in a public light, which is, you know, what I'm doing now. So, you know, people like myself and, and other uh, meme pages and co- comedians, we all have these guys to thank for it. Um, he also makes music, which is geared towards law enforcement, and he kicks ass while doing it. My guest today is Forensic, or you might know him as Deputy Hookham, and we're going to have a really great and insightful interview in just a moment. But first, I really want to address the elephant in the room. Today is the third episode that I've released since the election. And I still haven't talked about it. That's intentional. Listen, first off, I wanted all my episodes to age well. So I want someone that ends up checking out the podcast next summer to go back to these episodes and not feel like they're listening to something that they either won't enjoy, they're not entertained by, or think they're listening to old material. You know, I I didn't really think that by providing a knee-jerk or real-time reaction to ElectionGate 2020, um, I was helping what I wanted to do and really just helping the people listening. Listen, we are bombarded with this stupid election nonsense and the political nonsense and all this stuff. So I really didn't want to add to it. I also didn't want to air my opinions on this platform. That's what I do on the Instagram stories and, and when I make a meme about it and talking to me in person does that too. So 
I'm going to keep it that way. So we're Debbie Hookham and I, we're about to talk about some of the division that we're dealing with, because I'm sure that in several months, it's still going to be that way. Um, you know, especially after the year we've all had, but not the election and you're not going to get it from me. Sorry, not what I'm here for. Uh, go listen to all the other political podcasts and, uh, have fun with that there. Anyway, I digress. We got a good interview coming right now. Um, so here comes a little taste of forensics music and then my interview with Deputy Hookham. All right, we are back, and my guest today, as I said moments ago, is Deputy Hookham. What's going on, man? What up, brother? How are you? Uh, not too bad. How are you going uh, out there in California? You know, it goes one day at a time. I still have a job and a pension, so I'm happy about that. There you go. You can't really <laughs> can't really say anything worse once you have that. That's right. They can't take that away yet. 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 Give it some time. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thank you for coming on today. Um, yeah. Course. As we're getting started, how about you give us a rundown? Um, I already kind of hinted the point that you're in California, but you know, give us the career rundown. How many have been, how many years have you been a cop and all that good stuff? I'm um, going on about nine years now, um, being sworn, and then I did about two and a half or three years before that as a volunteer. Um, so almost 11, 11, 12 years now um, being around law enforcement in the Southern California area, and I've I've done a variety of different positions, uh, patrol. Uh, field training officer, detective, corporal, uh, explorer, advisor, all kinds of different things. So been very, very lucky and, and very happy with where I'm at right now. Very cool. So you definitely have uh, a good sense of the job. You know, you're not brand new, but, you know, not too salty yet, I don't think. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that depends, though. You know, you can be kind of salty in individual positions and, and things yes, like that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> So what are you? What is your current assignment? Are you still on patrol, or did you go somewhere else? No, I'm a detective right now. Okay, all right, yeah. very good. Like major case, narcotics, what, what uh, pretty much everything. Uh, we call it an area investigator, and that just basically means that um, any case that comes through from the jurisdiction that I'm stationed at, we kind of handle it unless it meets a different criteria that would go to like a homicide or child abuse, elder abuse, um, something more serious. We handle low level things and every other case that comes in through that, that command or that jurisdiction. Okay. I got you. Cause, um, where I work, we have different, like you have your detectives and then it's kind of broken up into groups. So you have your property crimes, you've got uh, person crimes and then robbery homicide and everyone else kind of gets filtered in between that, you know, with financial crimes, frauds, right. right. Sex crimes. Things yeah. Like that. My, my bucket generally has everything from I'll have frauds, I'll have batteries, um, assaults, uh, sexual assaults, um, robberies. I mean, I could have everything as long as it doesn't meet the threshold for the 
uh, other units to take it. Gotcha. That makes sense. So uh, where you're at, you said Southern California, are you in like a smaller agency, a larger agency, somewhere in the middle? Uh, a little bit bigger of an agency. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So obviously you have all these specialized units. Very good. Um, so what we're going to talk about today, we're, we got a couple things planned, but um, first things first, let's talk about who you are and, and why you're here. So um, we know you've got the comedy aspect with the deputy Hookem, and then you also have music with forensic. Yeah. Um, so what came first? Was it the comedy? Was it the music? What, what was it? Uh, I've actually been doing music since I was about 13 years old uh, and I'm, I'm 30 now. So I've been doing music for a while, um, but it, it didn't have obviously the law enforcement spin on it. Um, I had done music for most of my, you know, from basically from high school on to college. Uh, I was actually going to try to go to college for audio engineering uh, because I wanted to work in, in, in the music industry and work in a recording studio. And I did not get into the college I wanted to go to um, that had a really good program for it. So I kind of settled and uh, ended up going to San Diego State University and, and picked up a, a spot in criminal justice. And uh, right before I started college, it just something clicked in my head one day and said, hey, you should try to be a cop. And um, that's you know, that's what I did. Both my parents were, were paramedics and, and worked around uh, the first responder kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a natural thing for me. I just I was more comfortable with the law enforcement side of things than the medical side of things. Um, and that's where I went. And then, uh, was doing that for a while. Uh, everybody who knows me will know deputy Bookham, uh, Bookham and I were actually in the Academy together. That's how we met. And, uh, after the Academy, about a year after the Academy, he needed a place to live and I had an extra room and I said, Hey, why don't you move in with me? And, you know, you could be my roommate, whatever. And, um, things kind of went from there as far as us creating this persona, online um you know we were together 24 7 we were laughing at everything joking about everything watching vine videos together um and i saw officer daniels doing his skits on vine and my immediate thought was i could be funnier than this guy so let me try to be funnier <laughs> than this guy and right. uh, yeah so then we started making videos and it just kind of went from there and then about a year into that after now at that time being friends with with daniels and, and making videos with him and talking with him almost every day uh somebody who I know, I, I don't know who it is, but somebody dimed me out to Daniels about my, my music. Mm-hmm. And he, he hit me up one day and said, Hey, you know, did you used to rap? Like, were you a rapper? And I'm like, Oh God. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I was, I, I did music and this and that, you know? And, and he's like, well, you know, it's, it's not bad from what I got sent. It's actually pretty good. Have you thought about tailoring this towards law enforcement? Um, and I hadn't, and I, I, I wrote Wolf Hunter after that. I kind of said, hey, I'll sit down and I'll work on a song. And I wrote Wolf Hunter, and I recorded it at home on some janky little app on my phone and a little rough draft, and I sent it to him. And, and uh, he thought it was great, thought I should get in the studio with it, and the rest is, is history. Here I am two albums later. Wow, that's great. So literally from something you did kind of in spare time during high school, middle school, to – you know, everything, all the roads kind of went to the right place. And now everything that you are interested in got incorporated together. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. That's, that's a cool story. I mean, not many people get that way. It's funny that Daniel's kind of pointed out or someone told him that you were interested, interested in music yeah. in the past. Um, I had something similar. I mean, you know, I'm not looking to be uh, the next hook em or or anything like that, but I was in a band when I was younger in high school and, someone at my department was like, you know, years later, Hey, weren't you in a band? And like that, that one moment is like, 
kind of freeze you in your steps. Like, Oh God, who told you? What do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So when you were in like 13, when you were getting started in music, um, you were born and raised in Southern California. Yeah. Okay. So when you were starting, was it always rap or were you getting, were you trying different things or? No, it, it mostly was always rap. My, I have a brother who's uh, about eight years older than me. So, um, he was, you know, at the time that I started really paying attention to music and artists, um, around, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, he was listening to rap. That's what was big at the time. He was listening to, you know, Eminem, Dr. Dre, um, you know, all the guys that were coming out with stuff around the two thousands. Um, and for whatever reason, obviously Eminem just kind of clicked with me. Um, and very quickly became one of my favorite artists. I, you know, knew every song by heart and, um, I've, I've always had a talent for writing. I was always Mm -hmm. a good writer. I mean, even to as simple as being in school and like, Oh, we have a report due tomorrow. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I would just, you know, write whatever I wanted and kind of BS my way through it. Um, I've always been good at that. So, I kind of saw that again as a challenge, like, oh, I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I can write lyrics like this that, you know, rhyme and make sense and get my you know feelings in it and, you know, whatever. Um, started writing poetry and then started putting it to music and learning the ins and outs of that and doing that from probably about 13, 14 is when I got kind of serious with it. And I did it, you know, all the way through high school and, and mm-hmm. I had, had a lot of fun doing it, but it was never, you know, something I made money on or whatever. Um, and it, it's kind of cool to see like you said, to see it, it kind of blend into where I'm at now uh, and kind of coming together as a whole package. Yeah, for sure. I swear you're talking and I feel like I'm listening to an alternate universe me. Um, <laughs> growing up, it was the same thing for me. I always had a knack for writing. Um, same thing if I had a report or uh, creative writing was always kind of my strong suit. So mm-hmm. if there was like, you know, in an English class, oh, you've got to write a short story. I was like, Psh. Okay. Right. And I busted it out like it was nothing. Right. And same thing. I was in like middle school and I kind of got into rap music. Uh, my friends that I joined, that I started the band with, same thing. We kind of, we didn't know anything about playing instruments or anything like that. So we gravita- gravitated towards rap simply because, hey, you don't need to be able to play an instrument to do this. Right. And, you know, same, same exact story. Eminem, 50 Cent, all the lyricists of the day kind of, you know, we kind of drew from that. And it just kind of evolves. So that's very interesting that you said all that. I'm like, oh my God, is he? Yeah. <laughs> he's written my biography somewhere. <laughs> so uh, you said Eminem. Who are you listening to these days? Um, you know, I, I, I still listen to a lot of the old stuff from mm-hmm. back in that time, just because I, I feel like rap has changed so drastically. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do focus on now is, is really people that I've either gotten to know or I've, I've gotten to work with. Um, you know, one time, um, Bookham, uh, Doc Todd, those guys, you know, they're all very, very talented. And, um, I've been very lucky to work with them in, in, in the music realm. Um, and I listen to them a lot, but uh, I've actually gotten into country lately. Um, like in the last couple of years, I listen to a lot of country, which is kind of, kind of counterintuitive, but, um, I think it's also important to listen to many different kinds of music because it, it allows you to kind of get different influences and different, um, you know, sparks of motivation. Um, oh, absolutely. But still for me, it's still the old school stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't picture what it's going to be like when I have kids and they're listening to me, listening to music. And I'm going to feel like I, <laughs> when, when I was a kid listening to my mom, listening to stuff from the seventies, you know, it's like, oh, sure. it's just, it's, it's crazy, but I still stick with the old school stuff. Cause to me, that's, that's what it was about. And that was the, 
beginning and the, the, the big main highlight of rap music was during those times to the 90s yep. and 2000s. Yep, the late '90s, early 2000s, when Jay Z was in his prime, and yep. all those. Yep. When it was more about the lyrics than the than the beats. And Absolutely. The, all that crap. Yep. I, I agree 100. percent And also the integration and listening to different musics. I I always find it interesting, you know, when you talk to somebody who's creative, whether it's a writer or an actor or whatever, to see who they get their inspiration from. So I, you know, you can even hear it. Um, I don't know if you listen to like Machine Gun Kelly or anything like that, but now he's kind of got like a punk flair to his music because he's been, you know, hanging out with the guys from Blink-182 and it's just very interesting and it makes for more complex sounds. And, and as an audiophile, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And as an artist, you should always be evolving and it's good to see people do that. Right. And, you know, it's kind of, and, you know, I'm sure you can attest to this, but a- as an artist evolving, you know, you always got to worry, like you don't want the new stuff that you're creating to sound stale, but at the same time, you don't want to go too far off the path to where people are like, what is he trying to do? Right. Right. So very cool. So how many albums do you have now? Uh, I've finished two albums and then I have two singles that I've released after the second album that have not been uh, put on an album yet. So two albums and two singles. Nice. Okay. So between all those, what has been your favorite song so far? Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a really hard question. Each song is very different for different times of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. right now I'm really into relentless, which was the last single that I released. Yeah. I was Um, listening to that earlier. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, you know, just especially the second verse, every time I listen to that song, the second verse just really speaks volumes to why I am doing what I'm doing. Uh, and you know, to hear my emotion and my, my life kind of be put into words that I know cops can relate to. Uh, it's a really mm-hmm. powerful thing and it, it really makes me proud of what I've done uh, and, and, you know, honored to have done what I've done. But um, relentless is, is good. Invincible. I love because even though it's not really involved with law enforcement, it's just a, a good song. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, every song has its uniqueness. I, I mean, even going back to human with um, saving a hero. I mean, that song alone has over a million streams on Spotify. Yep. And, you know, people love that song. I love it too. But when I listen to it, it seems so old to me that I feel like, Oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that. Uh-huh. Better. Um, which I think an artist does absolutely every, <laughs> about every song that they do. Yeah. Um, but the order versus chaos album to me, I think was, was some of my best work. Um, and you know, I, I just looked to, to do better each time. And every time I write a song, to grow and, and uh, hopefully be better on the next. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's kind of a unique spin on it. You know, everyone listens to music, obviously, uh, but no one, uh, unless you're really looking for it, can hear the artist go, you know, I'm, I'm actually critiquing myself each and every song. And, you know, I try to put myself back into the, the mindset I was in and all that yep. stuff. So that's a really good take on it. So what do you, what do you do for like distribution? How do you get your stuff out there? So I use a third-party uh, aggregator. I use CD Baby. There's a couple other mm-hmm. ones. There's TuneCore. There's DistroKid. Um, even I think BeatStars is even doing it now. Um, but I've used CD Baby for a long time. And it's just the site that I landed on. Um, mm-hmm. But it's super simple. You know, you, you record. And, and that's the amazing thing, too, is like thinking back to when I was a teenager and I was in my bedroom at my mom's house listening to Eminem and, you know, trying to write lyrics to see if I could do this, like 
you had to be someone to have your music heard. Absolutely. You couldn't just go out and sell it to people. Like no one cared. Right. I mean, you, you went from in the nineties, people are selling CDs out of their cars mm-hmm. to then when I was coming up doing it, it was like you, you had to be a label to get online Yep. other than being on MySpace and uploading yourself on MySpace, which is what I did. But now any artist of any type of skill set can get their music heard instantly on, on the biggest platforms. And it's, it's really, really incredible to see. Um, and it, it's, it's awesome to see people do that and come up and, and do something with their, with their skill. Cause it used to be impossible and now mm-hmm. it's, you can do whatever you want. Absolutely. And I feel like, I mean, you can take that to any platform you want, not just music. I mean, and we're going to talk about your comedy in just a minute, but even this podcast, you know, when I first heard of podcasts years ago, you had to be someone with money and you had to have that in to get published. And same thing with writing and comedy and movies, you know, everything now is just so accessible, which is great because it's giving people voices or kind of making their voices heard by more people than, you know, just the people sitting in their room. So absolutely right. Um, So with that being said, what is your plan for the future with, uh, with forensics music? Uh, I want to do a third album. Um, Definitely something I want to do. And if I'm being completely honest, I've been kind of struggling to, to write music uh, during all the times that we've been having this last year or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't know why, because honestly, that's always been when I've done the best. Uh, I mean, if you, if you listen to the song Fallen um, on Order Versus Chaos, that song was written after the incident in Dallas on 7-7. And I literally wrote that song in about 45 minutes. Um, and it's a phenomenal song with a lot of emotion and a lot of feeling, but it's because I had that emotion and feeling after watching five law enforcement officers be murdered. Um, and you know, I, I, I've always kind of, I've kind of beat myself up lately because it's like, you know, I I should be able to take all this raw energy and emotion that we have in this line of work right now. And in this environment that we're in and put that into music because I know cops need it. Um, but I've, I've kind of been having a hard time and I think it's just, you know, 2020 has been a very rough year and a, and a trying year. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm constantly listening to music, but nothing seems right. Nothing fits. I don't like anything. Um, but I, I do have plans for a third album. Um, and I'm definitely not, not giving up. And as long as people don't give up on me, I won't give up on creating new music. Perfect. Yeah. I think 2020 has been a, a punch in the stomach for so many aspects of the world. And I mean, if you're in law enforcement, you're getting it right in the teeth. Yeah. Um, everywhere we turn, Everything we do is just negative. And, um, but the fact that you're trying, the fact that any of us are trying, yeah, right. <laughs> it's such a, you know, it says a lot about the character of the people that are trying to do whatever it is. Um, and that being said, we're going to transition talking about Deputy Hookham. Um, you are, when you, when you do Deputy Hookham, you got, you're kind of integrated with the whole humanizing the badge movement, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first found humanizing the badge and and you, Mike, the cop, Daniels, all that, that posse, so to speak, um, (laughs) it was kind of the last time that the public didn't give two shits about cops, which was kind of after the Ferguson thing and everything that immediately followed it. Um, so how did you kind of, you said that you and Bookham kind of were making videos because you saw Daniels and everything, but how'd you get linked up with the whole humanizing the badge movement? So yeah, after we started making um, some videos, I, I think we did 
we did actually one police related vine um and daniels saw the vine i I tagged him in it and he revined it and um messaged me and we kind of hit it off and just started talking and texting and um you know just kind of became friends and over time as he was kind of helping us grow our online presence and kind of give us direction on what we can do and educate us on social media um he introduced us to mike we became cool with mike and Mike was, you know, one of the main people who had started humanizing the badge. Um, and at that point, like you said, right out Ditter Ferguson, right around that time, I mean, things were not good. Um, and they kind of said, Hey, we want you to work with us and, you know, go out and do things with us when we do events. And, um, so it just kind of was a natural flow and, uh, you know, what we did, they liked and, and we started working with them and we became friends with everybody involved and they're all really, really good group of people. And we've been very honored and lucky to do a lot of really good things nationwide uh, with them. Right. Absolutely. And you know, the humanizing the badge movement, you know, the whole organization and everything um, I've been following you guys probably since I've been in the Academy and it's just crazy. The amount of quality uh, outlets and quality, you know, interactions that, the entire organization has had with people in and out of the job, you know, it's just, yeah. it's amazing. And it's a great thing. And, you know, I kind of, I tease all the time about people that try to humanize the badge quote unquote, <laughs> and they, right. they take that and they do it as, as purely personal gain. Right. And it's really unfortunate because now, you know, when I talk about the organization, it kind of, you know, people kind of side eye to it. I'm like, no, like the actual humanizing the badge movement is amazing. Don't, right. don't get it twisted. Right. Um, so I guess as uh, Hook'em, what has been your favorite video that you've done? Uh, I'd have to say Cop Romper on that one. Um, that video went huge. I mean, that was like my first taste of like, holy shit, like this might mm -hmm. get out of control. Uh, <laughs> you know? Cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was doing interviews with news agencies from Europe. Uh, oh, wow. I had some lady email me. She's like, oh, hey, I work with such and such. I think it was in, actually in Tampa. Uh, I work with Fox in Tampa, you know, whatever, and we want to do it. And I'm like, okay, sure. So I answered a couple of questions. I didn't realize that by working in Fox in Tampa, you also work for Fox in Chicago and LA and Denver and New York. Um, and there was articles everywhere. Uh, in fact, my, uh, my brother and sister-in-law were living in Denver at the time or outside of Denver. And... Um, they were watching the nightly news and up popped this story about the cop romper and they were like, Holy crap he's <laughs> on TV, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was crazy. Um, for me, just the simplicity of it. And it just mm -hmm. going that crazy. It just shows you really the power of social media. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm reminded by it every single day that I log onto my Instagram and I see, you know, what I have reached, what I've done. And, and I'm sure, you know, you see it, even tenfold with that, but it's just amazing. And, and that's great. You know, it's great that your message, you know, it's silly, but it's great that it got out there. I mean, it's yeah. what we need, you know, we need to be silly. We can't be taking life so seriously all the time. Right. So. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people, we get a lot, when we get a lot of hateful comments on social media, a lot of it comes down to this, like, well, you're supposed to humanize the badge. You're supposed to, um, you know, be there to bridge the gap and bring people together. And, while that's a great concept and a great idea that takes two to tango. Um, so I have from the beginning and to today, uh, my platform purely and simply is for law enforcement. It is to support cops, to highlight good cops, 
to highlight the people that are out there working every day and doing what they you know do for this country with zero yeah. thanks uh, given to them. Um, and that's that's been my whole goal. So when I do those videos and I see the reach and I see cops laughing and cops enjoying it and it, giving them a break from the shit that they're going through, um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is huge to me and it always will be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how my page turned into what it is and where it will ever go yeah. is fueled by people that need it. You yep. know, I love getting messages from people that aren't cops or people that want to be cops and, and say that, you know, Oh, this is, this is great. Or even people that may not have had favorable opinions of yeah, cops and be like, sure. Oh, you know, you, you've put a positive spin on it. I never thought of it this way. For so sure. you're absolutely right. Um, so of that humanizing the badge, uh, posse click, whatever you want to say, it's kind of like the breakfast club or, uh, or like the John Hughes group. Um, so this, this is going to be tough. I don't know if you can answer this one, but who's been some of your favorite people within that group to work with? Uh, I mean, Daniels is very near and dear to me. He's a, he, he is a very good person. He would literally give his last penny to someone to help them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's such a good representative of what law enforcement officers hearts should be. Um, because he's just always, always there for people. He's always willing to be the butt of a joke to, you know, do whatever he needs to do to raise money for a cause or for people or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, he's such a good person. Um, but every, I mean, everybody's great. You know, Mike, Mike will tell you how it is. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't hide behind um, PC, you know, he just says what needs to be said. And, um, you know, Mike's been through a lot in his life, uh, with his brother being killed in line of duty. And, um, you know, he's a very, very good, um, uh, outspoken role model that I think a lot of cops can use to, to find a different side of the job versus what Daniels kind of advocates for. Um, but then I, I mean, Joey and Philly, he's a great guy. He does a lot of really good stuff in Philadelphia. Uh, AJ, in Ohio. He's does phenomenal things there in Ohio. Um, basically people who I work with in HDB, if they're a part of HDB, they've done something right mm-hmm. that, that should be recognized. And it's just purely an honor to work, work with all of them. Mm-hmm. I remember you were saying about Daniel's giving the shirt off his back or, or being the butt of the joke. And I remember, um, for a while there, him and Mike, they would do back and forth for different fundraisers and the the loser would tase the other and Uh and so on and so forth. So absolutely. That's great. That's great that they're willing to do that. I usually get stuck videotaping it, but yeah. (laughs) Hey, at least you're not the one getting tased, right? That's true. I did get my chest waxed once in Detroit. That was a really fun time. Nice. I I would pass on that one easily. Yeah, I tried to. (laughs) Uh, so where's the future for Deputy Hookham? Are you still making videos with him or is he kind of retired for now? You know, again, I think with the music, it's just, it's been a weird year and um, it almost feels like you can't do anything without some huge backlash and hate. Yeah. Um, and obviously that kills a lot of creativity. I have a lot of really good ideas and a lot of good things I want to do. It's just, it's hard to, and, and book him, if you were to talk to him about this, he'd tell you that things used to be so simple. Like we would literally get a phone, put a uniform shirt on and film some stupid six second, 15 second video, minute long video, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As that progresses, 
you then get a full uniform, you get more expensive video equipment, you get need better editing, you need longer videos because then Facebook wants videos to be longer so that they have better reach. And, you know, it turns into like this production and it's, it's kind of exhausting. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. It's not, it's not like it used to be, you know, right. um, but I, I'm always, I always have ideas. I'm always writing ideas down. My goal is to, in 2021, to get back on track and, and do better with what, what I should have been doing. Um, but hopefully 2021 is better for everybody. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, gone are the days of the vine. Oh yeah. Where you can oh, yeah. <laughs> make a quick video on your phone, post it and call it a day. Now it was so gotta... simple. Yeah. Now it's, uh, you know, you got to have the right lighting and the right sound and the right, like, and that's just us being perfectionists. You know, it's like right. once you reach a level of having as many followers and people who watch your videos, like you kind of feel like, well, I can't, you know, I can't give crappy content. I got to do good content. Um, right. Double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we kind of touched on all that. And all we keep saying is this year, right? <laughs> 2020 right. is been, yeah. you know, All you have to say is 2020 and everybody will go, I get it. Get oh, it. shit. <laughs> so, but you have um, kind of a different perspective than a lot of the guys that I've talked to on the podcast. And in general is you work in the people's Republic of California. <laughs> so, yeah. so what has that been like? Has it really been as bad as the media makes it out to be or, or what? Well, Emperor Gavin Newsom is not as bad as everybody said. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it is, and it isn't. Um, and I, and I've told people this for years, you know, California is a very weird place because while you don't, feel like you have a lot of support because people don't do a lot of time in custody. Uh, they're doing all this early, early release of nonviolent offenders. And if you look at the nonviolent offender list, like assault with a deadly weapon and rape by intoxicating substances on that list, I don't, those kind of seem violent to me. So I don't understand yeah. how that's nonviolent. Um, between that and prop 47, where they cut the drug charges down to misdemeanors, um, you know, you feel like you're in a war zone, right? You feel like, no one supports cops, but that's only legislative wise. When you look at the flip side, um, for one, where, where I work, uh, our citizens are amazing and they really do appreciate what we do. You have your stuff here and there, but I think everyone deals with that. Um, thank God I'm not in San Francisco or Oakland. Uh, but you know, we have a lot of good training here. Um, I would say that we probably have some of the best and most rigorous training requirements and standards in the country. And I think that's evidenced by our post certificate being taken in a lot of different States. Uh, whereas you don't see that in most other places. Um, so while we do deal with that and it is hard and it, it's frustrating because you feel like you're not making a dent in any crime or doing anything, yeah. you know, you know that you have good quality training, which translates to your partners being safer to the community being safer um, we have a lot of really good like rights as employees and support from our unions and, uh, PORAC and, you know, all those different organizations that look out for us that you, you're really protected. I mean, people really, you would royally have to screw up to lose your job in California. And mm -hmm. I, I have met plenty of people who piss off a chief and they get fired, you know, or they, whatever, they don't handle a call right. And the Lieutenant doesn't like them and they fire them uh, because they have no unions, they have no protections, they have none of that. So while it sucks, 
you got to understand I grew up here, so I'm used mm-hmm. to the laws. I'm used to the requirements. I'm used to all that. That's, that's just been my life. Um, so while I wish I could be somewhere else yeah, polit- yeah. politically, uh, we make good money. We have good support, good benefits, um, and good protections. And, you know, really at the end of the 30 year career, that's all you can ask, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to the politics and it comes to the law, well, I can't say the laws, but when it comes to the politics, that kind of, there's an ebb, ebb and flow. Right. Um, some days or some years, it'll be a little bit more conservative. It depends, you know, they're fitting the laws and how they're enforcing the laws or how they're making us enforce the laws to their agenda, given whatever it is they're trying to prove. Right. Um, and we are merely just the go-betweens, you know, we have to go and enforce it. You're breaking the law period. Um, I will say, and I'm in Florida, which is, you know, a little bit more conservative for the most part, but there's still times, especially with drug charges, like you said, where it feels like you're pissing up a rope, like there, right. you are not accomplishing anything. And right. it gets frustrating, especially dealing with kind of, um, I don't know, less than aggressive prosecution, I guess you could say. Oh yeah. Um, and it gets frustrating where you're, you know, you're pulling your hair out, but you're right. At the end of the day, you're getting the training and you do have some kind of support system in the netting somewhere, whether it's your administration, as long as you don't screw up too bad right. or, you know, too severely. And that's good. That's the important part. And it's really important for people getting back into this job or, you know, looking into it going, you know, well, because all you see on the news and even, you know, some of the stuff we post Sounds really negative. Why would anyone want to come into the academy and, and deal with all this? But it's really not as bad in, you know, so up close and personal. Yeah. And, and I think obviously we all like to be, um, we all like to be pessimists, right? That's kind of mm-hmm, our nature. Mm-hmm. So right. of course everybody's like, oh, I wouldn't want to be a cop. Why would you do that? Be a fireman. This is dumb. <laughs> you know, no matter how bad it's been. And I think it's probably the worst that it's ever been um, yeah. with, with the political climate right now we still have a a very good job and we still have to be very thankful for what we do have and, and, and the ability to do what we do. And because that's what we signed up for. And you always have to think back to why did I become a cop? I didn't become a cop to have politicians like me. I didn't become a Mm -hmm. cop to have citizens like me. I became a cop to do my job, to keep people safe and to put people behind bars who shouldn't be out in public. Um, And if they don't want, and the way I kind of, you have to look at it, especially living here, if they don't want to prosecute this person or they don't want to put them away in prison and they want to let them out in the street, whatever. I did my job. Uh, mm-hmm. law and enf- I'll get them next time. Right. Law enforcement is only one half of one part of the criminal justice system. Right. So mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, when, when are they going to be responsible? And you talked about yeah. aggressive prosecutions. I mean, literally. So as a detective, I see all the case rejections when they come through and why they're not filing them. And we'll get like a, a thing where it says like, Oh, Hey, this guy has, two pending cases already. So we're not going to file this one. You're like, oh, that <laughs> makes perfect sense. He's clearly right. learning his lesson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not my call, right? My call is yeah. to enforce the law in an unbiased way. Do what I need to do. Make an arrest. Don't make an arrest. Do what I need to do to handle the situation and move on. And, and I, I think the more that we bring that home with us and the more yes. that we stress mm-hmm. about it, it, it's creating its huge issue within law enforcement that we're taking it personal. Like, Yes, it sucks that violent people are in our streets and it's turning into violence. But if that's what the politicians want and that's what the citizens vote for, they'll learn, they'll correct it. But we don't need to spin ourselves up and put ourselves in a grave over it. Yeah, you, you—that was perfect. Um, 
I think especially being in investigations, like you said, we see it a little bit more because we're closer to the prosecution angle of it because we just get more involved as opposed to a patrolman that might be, you know, handle the incident report and that's it. Right. Um, but you're right. At the end of the day, it's a self-correcting situation. Um, the, the bad guy gets let out. We're either going to catch him again or he's going to do something even worse. And you're going to you're going to have the citizens looking at the prosecution being like, what, what the hell? Right. What, what's going on here? Right. That was very well said. But in this political climate, um, we see this all the time. We see this very frequently. I mean, just turn on any news outlet, turn on any social media. There's a division or, or a perceived division between the public and the police. Right. Have you experienced any of that firsthand? Uh, as far as on social media, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know, take a take a walk through my comments um, mm-hmm. and my messages sometimes. But I think that I think that it's very it's very highlighted on social media when it is not so much so in public. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because of the veil that social media provides for people. Um, it allows you to to act brody. It allows you to be able to talk shit and not deal with consequences. It allows you to express your frustrations and in a safe environment. And I think that's why people act the way they do. And it does create that big divide because it's either like you're either all anti-cop or you're all thin blue line, you know, there's none of this like, okay, well, can we still support cops and not support people who break the law or do things they shouldn't be doing? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because that's, I mean, that's how every other profession is, right? Yeah. I don't have a problem with business owners, but when you embezzle money, I have a problem with that. It's kind of a problem. Yeah. Right. I don't have a problem with clergy people, but when you, you know, molest a child or you do whatever, I mean, there's tons of examples of this in our entire nation's history of, mm-hmm. of different people who have, were looked up to in a position of power who betrayed that trust. And it's not going to stop because we're all people. We're human. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think division-wise, I think that that is – I don't think it's being helped by the news media. And I don't think it's being helped by just the state of politics in the country. Um, right. Because there is an extreme on that too. You know, you have yeah. you have an extreme uh, with Trump and you have an extreme with Biden or whoever else on, on the very left and on the very right. I mean it's it's not like it used to be. As far as things being a little bit more in the middle and being able to reach across the aisle. And I think that translates directly into our streets and to our people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, and you have to think of the mentality or the mindset of the average American. And, you know, they're going to turn on Fox. They're going to turn on NBC, CNN, whatever, whatever it might be. And they're going to take it in. And I mean, you know a good amount of them have the critical thinking to be like, well, that doesn't sound right. Or maybe, you know, a little bit of this side and a little bit of this, that might be a good, good decision. Um, But then you do have the people that take it in and be like, that's the gospel. That's what I'm going for. And, you know, unfortunately that's where we get these violent protests, uh, violent riots, if you want to put it that way. And, you know, it's kind of, and you got the agitators and, and everything, and it kind of makes things seem a whole lot worse than it is. I can tell you that I've worked a couple of protests, definitely not as many as bigger cities in the country, but it's not that bad. Um, you know, you have the people flying their flags or, or waving their signs and, you know, get your opinion out. That's fine. That's what this country's great about it. Absolutely. It's the people that, you know, 
the news media is trying to sell ad space. So they're going to show things that are a little bit more salacious. And, you know, the people that are in a cop's face telling him to die or saying, you know, hope your children get raped or something like that. But, you know, on the streets, have you seen anything like that? I have seen it personally in, in protests. Yes. Um, Okay. But that's not an everyday occurrence. And and I think you got to understand that not many people show up to protests slash riots who don't have some kind of, overzealous thought on something right Mm -hmm. and that's on all sides of the political spectrum um you know i obviously it's not a secret i lean more on the right and the conservative side but you haven't seen me at any trump rallies um Mm -hmm. just like if i was on the left you wouldn't see me at any biden rallies uh you never you know you can't people who show up to those things usually are are hell-bent on creating an issue yeah. Um, and now, and that's not to say that people who have a care about something are exercising their first amendment, right? That's great. And that's awesome. And like you said, that's what our country is founded on. Um, the problem is, is when people see someone having a different opinion as an attack on their rights. Correct. Because it's not, it's, it's plain and simple. You say tomato, I say tomato. It doesn't mean we need to kick each other's ass because of that. Right. So mm-hmm. at what point do people grow up and realize that there are many different ways to look at life. And I might look at it this way because of my job while you might look at it this way because of your upbringing or your, Mm -hmm. your job or whatever. Um, you know, and, uh, while it may seem clear to us why we want certain things to be done as law enforcement, it's -hmm. very clear to people who are on the BLM side or on, you know, the liberal side or whatever, who are protesting against law enforcement while, while, why they are right. Um, And we have to understand that. I mean, A, when you're working a protest, you got to understand that nobody's right. Your job is to do your protest, right? And work the protest do your thing. Make Uh, sure everyone's safe. Yep. And don't let people get under your skin. And I know it is hard because I have been there. I have had someone look me in the face and tell me they hope that my wife got raped. Um, And, you know, it's weird. I mean, to sit there with just no emotion and just go right over you. But um, we have to understand as cops – we are being, uh, we're under the microscope. And if there is any time to make sure that you keep your cool and do things how you should be doing them, it's, it's today. Oh, for sure. And keeping that neutrality. I mean, I think more or less law enforcement or at least the public perception of it, law enforcement's more on the right side of this, uh, you know, left, right thinking spectrum. But we got to remember that when we put on that uniform, we're neutral, right? You know, we don't take a side, we don't protest, we don't um, rally depending on which way we're going. But I liked what you said, you know, you got to take everything to each person's individual perspective. You can get someone from the inner city uh, living in a project and their personal perception of law enforcement is, oh, well, they are the people that take, my dad or my mom away right. because, you know, let's say they're, they're dealing drugs. Well, that money paid for food, right. you know, so that that's their perception. But on the same side, you're going to have someone in that exact same scenario that saw that the cop was the one that solved his brother's murder or something like that. Right. So you never know different. You could have the same two different people, same upbringing, different perspectives. And neither of and them I, are wrong. Right. Exactly. Because that's, that's the influences that have influenced your life. Exactly. So that's where it's very important for us to remain neutral in these situations because 
A, that's not what we're paid for. We're not paid to say one is right or the other. The only thing that we, the only thing that we are supposed to be uh, biased on is legal and illegal. Right. That's it. Right. Hundred <laughs> percent. Opinion. Opinion is not what we are in the game for. Not you know. If you want to get in that game, take off the badge. Be Just a politician. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not what we're here for. But it's hard. It's frustrating, especially you know when you see you know a law come up or a bill come up that you know is going to you know wreak havoc or it's going to make your life a living hell as mm-hmm. a cop. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. You know, that's it. And, and actually, I was having this conversation with my wife after the election stuff kind of simmer down and kind of, we kind of are starting to see these results. And I told her like, you know, this is, this is what our democracy is founded on. The fact mm-hmm. that someone I don't like, who I don't agree with can be elected into office and I have the power to give them their time. And then I can try to vote somebody else in. Exactly. And just yep. like when I have a guy who I want in office and I like their policies, I have the power to vote for them again to keep them in office. That's right. what our country is founded on. And the fact that all it takes is maturity to realize like, okay, well, it's a couple more years and we'll be able to vote for our guy or, you mm-hmm. know, a couple more years and this guy will be out. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy, but it, it is easy to get sucked into it. And that's where I yeah. think people, people go wrong. And, and I've been there and I've done it too, mm-hmm. but it, it's just, I mean, I just want to get back to how I felt it was when I was growing up. And that was just kind of like, ah, well, my guy lost. All right. I'm hang right. Out. We hang out. You yeah, know? Yeah. Yep. And you know, we're, emotional beings so for our emotions to come into play isn't really all that difficult um you know just as law enforcement we kind of have to be a little bit more in tune with our emotions but easier said than done sure absolutely right um and i think with that you know as the public same thing you know they get their emotions and we kind of had this this mental state in america and i had a conversation with a coworker about this where even if you're talking about medicine right if you go to the hospital with an injury, they're going to treat the symptom, but not necessarily the illness. And I think if you apply that to our current situation of law and order, it's the same thing. You know, you may have a situation. Let's just talk about Minneapolis real quick. Um, let's just say, right, for the sake of argument, they were wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they want to treat the symptom. So what's the symptom? All cops are bad. Right. So we're just going to go with that. We're not going to treat the illness and try to figure out exactly what this bigger problem is. And I think that's what's really corrupting the mindset of Americans. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very good point. Um, it, it's I think when back in the day, people kind of had to think, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think with the access to social media and with the influences of all these things we have around us that wasn't there back then, yeah. we're comfortable with being told what to think because of a, someone who is looks like us or works the same as us or acts like us or whatever. And we get sucked into that instead of being a free thinker. And I don't care what someone's opinion is. If you've come to that conclusion based on your analysis of a situation and what you think is best for you, that's great. Do your thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I know what's best for me. And I know that because of my job and seeing what policies create in the street and seeing what laws do, and all that, but not everybody has that experience. So I can only rely on my experience and it's not my job to motivate everybody else to think like me. Right. Yeah. Right. We're not out out here trying to whip up votes and and get people to think like us. Um, but yeah, it comes down to just, you know, being cognizant of, of your emotions and then trying to do your own research and and make the best decision possible. That's really what it comes down to. And and just treating people fair, you know, treating people. I mean, be, be a human, be, 
civil. I, I, I mean, yeah, there's a there was there was a meme floating around a little while ago that said uh, people have gotten too comfortable with uh, talking shit and then not getting punched in the mouth. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, we have these screens, we have these little phones in our hands, tiny glowing screens, and uh, think we can say whatever we want. Well, then you flip that and you do it in person, and you don't have the same same results really right (laughs) it's just just being decent man i mean it's right it and i say this all the time it costs us zero dollars to be a decent human being yep golden rule right treat others the way you want to be treated it's not that hard (laughs) you know we we see where the country's at you know we see these protests daily i guess there was one in dc today um so you know, there's a foul taste of for law enforcement. I mean, maybe maybe not at the moment. Right now, it's you know just all Republicans or all right wingers are bad or whatever. Right. But as a whole, the public has a kind of distrust for law enforcement. So, how do we get the public back on our sides, or try to like persuade them to come back over here? What do you think? I think we have to be comfortable with um, with reform. And mm-hmm. now, <laughs> there's obviously multiple different levels of that. I think we need to be comfortable with common sense reform. You can't, I don't think you could probably show me a law enforcement officer who doesn't think that some way of doing something is perfect or that everything that an agency or a city or whatever, or every law is perfect and doesn't nothing needs to be changed or no training needs to be implemented or whatever, because there's always something. And I mean, we go to so much training, but what is more training, right? I mean, if, if, if someone's going to pay to make me better at my job, why would we lick a gift horse in the mouth? Um, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but that has to be common sense based, right? We can't have police reform by taking away the carotid restraint or taking away, you know, money for this. And, you know, it has to, it has to make sense. Um, yeah. one, of, one of the things that I've kind of thought of, because I, I mean, I rack my brain, like what, what could we do to make this better? One of my ideas is like a national post commission. So having requirements hour wise based on like training for a topic that every state must meet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at like, uh, how long was your academy? How many weeks was your academy? Uh, it was 770 hours. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So my, I think mine was like 900 something hours. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and in the times that I've traveled throughout the country, and met with many different people from different departments. I mean, for God's sakes, there's states that allow someone to work patrol for a year or two without even going to an academy. Oh, wow. Really? Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, oh, we scheduled you for the academy. You're deputized. Go ahead and do your thing. And then we'll get you in the academy. That's, to me, it's not okay. No, Um, not at all. I think that actually happened. There was an officer that was killed, uh, I think, earlier this year. Uh, He was uh, with an airport police department. I want to say in North Carolina, but I could be, I could be wrong about that. It could be South Carolina. Um, and he, he was on patrol doing traffic stops and was shot and killed. He had never been to an academy, mm. you know? So we have to look at why do people want change? And, and it's very hard to look at yourself and look inward, right? And mm-hmm. say, what could we do better? Because we always want to point the finger every, as a human, we want to point the finger. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing nothing. You, you're the one that needs to change. And yes, that is true. There are people need to realize that you shouldn't be able to, to treat law enforcement the way you're treating them. It's not okay for cops to be attacked. It's not okay for uh, cops to be expected to not defend themselves. That's not okay. And that needs right. to change. However, what is causing people to have this 
issue with law enforcement and what can we do to influence that in a positive manner. And um, again, back to the National Post Commission, I think it would be great if there was a federal commission that got everybody on the same page. Why is it okay that I go through a 900 hour academy, 900 plus hour academy in California, and there's other people who go through uh, a 16 week academy or whatever. And that's not saying Mm -hmm. that they're any less than me or different than cops in California or whatever, but why are we shortchanging them? Yeah. Why are we not making them have the access to better and more training because it's only going to make them better cops. It's only going to make situations in their cities better. And I think that's why we see a lot of issues as far as they go with, with officer involved shootings and things turning into these blown up incidents. You see a lot of that in the Midwest and the South. And I think, I think that agencies need to come up on par. States need to up their requirements. And as as much of a pain in the ass as that sounds, I think that's going to help us. I think if we could all level ourselves on the same playing field and give cops the tools they need to be cops and do their jobs correctly, I think the public will have a lot more trust while allowing cops to still do their jobs how they should be doing them uh, and, and within the scope of what the law allows them to do it so that they're safe and that communities are safe. And that's like a lot of people, when I bring that up, they, th- so they say, well, you know, where would the federal government get off telling a state what to train or what to do? And I don't think that's what they should do. But for the National Post Commission to say, hey, if you want access to federal money, which mm-hmm. every agency does, if you want access to federal money, you have to put your recruits through 24 hours of firearms or 24 hours of defensive tactics or right. whatever. Setting like this, like, okay, you have to have 10 hours of child abuse training. You can train whatever the hell you want, but do 10 hours of it. Do whatever. Because I, I feel that I feel that a lot of these issues that come up, especially things like what happened in Minneapolis, I think that if I think that if things were to be if, if cops were to have the tools, the public would see that they have the tools and would be less likely to react the way that they do. Right. And that's what I was gonna say is that when I was looking into like Minneapolis, right? Um, technically, by their books, the Minneapolis Police Department is allowed to do the restraint that was used right. during that. Sure. And same goes for NYPD a couple years ago with Eric Garner and, uh-huh. and the and the chokehold. Yep. But down in Florida, where I work, th- both of them are no goes. Right. But if you have some kind of standard, which I mean, it's 2020. Um, we have so many standards across the board in any other industry. So why, why not have it for law enforcement? Right. Sure. I mean, the laws don't have to be the same. Obviously, you, you know, sometimes laws will be different in state to state, yep. but you know, why not have some kind of across the board universal training for law enforcement? I think that would yep. clear a lot of minds. And I, I think you made a very good point. And even the tools, I mean, the fact that it's 2020 and there's the agencies that don't have tasers. Yeah. I, that's that's completely unsat. Not not only not only for the officer, but for the communities they serve. Yeah, because you're taking away an ability for an officer to do something else other than have to escalate up to deadly force in a situation that maybe they can mitigate it with a taser. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, we have a use of force continuum, you know, and we train that religiously. It's we know what we can and can't do for certain threats being presented or resistance levels encountered. And I want to, I want to preface what I'm saying, because I imagine there's going to be some people that listen to what I'm saying and think that I'm, you know, telling cops not to use force or whatever. 
and I'm certainly not, and you can ask anybody that I work <laughs> that is not me. Um, but you got to understand that you should feel as a cop, feel comfortable with doing your job. Mm-hmm. And if, if that idea is, is ingrained in people that cops have this high standard of training and all the tools to handle a situation, you're going to be much more prepared as a, as a patrol officer and, and the community is going to look at that and understand that you're prepared. So again, kind of a double-edged sword, but, um, you know, I, I, I definitely don't want people to think that I have some kind of like soft approach to using force or needing to, you know, solve every crime with hugs because I don't feel that way. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, I, I think there is, there is common sense. And I think with the more tools that you're given, the more ability you have to handle situations before they get to a point that you must act. But if you must act, you must act. Absolutely. And be sure when you get the tools to train with the tools, that's another big thing. And, you know, know your use of force matrix or continuum, whatever you want to say, because, you know, the moment you start second guessing what you're about to do, that's how people get hurt. Yep. So a hundred percent. Well, this was actually an amazing conversation. I'm really glad we got it in. (laughs) Um, So I want to thank you uh, for taking the time. We're going to wrap up the conversation real quick with signal three. Signal three is uh, a hit and run where I work. So basically these uh, next couple questions are going to be very rapid fire question and answer. Oh boy. Uh, don't, don't think about them too hard. Okay. And uh, just give me what you got. All, All right. right. Ready? Okay. All right. So I had to change these up. I've been using the same kind of stack of questions since I started this. Um, they're all still there, but I added a few, moved some around because they said I was starting with the hard ones too. <laughs> the two hard ones. So we're going to start with, if you could identify as any sandwich, what would it be? Uh, ham and cheese. Nice. Why? They're freaking delicious. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that is like old school classic. Yeah. Old school yeah. Italian ham and cheese. Yep. With, absolutely. With toasted bread. Yes. And, and if you sneak in some like ruffled potato chips in there, delicious, man, that's gourmet quality right there. <laughs> uh, what is your dream vacation destination? Ooh, I like the Caribbean. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I really like the hanging out with a drink by the water and the beach. And, uh, luckily that's, that's where we got to go for our honeymoon. So that was really, oh, really nice. cool. But, uh, that or any national park, we're huge in the national parks. So, okay. Nice. Um, where in the Caribbean? Where did we go or where would I want to go? Yes. <laughs> uh, we have been in the Bahamas. Um, I've been in the Caymans, the British Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands. I really liked the British Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. We got to snorkel. Uh, or I'm sorry. Actually, we scuba dove there. We did snorkeling in the U.S. Virgin Islands. But it's just cool, man. It's cool being like in that area and everything's just cool and everybody right. just has drinks and offers you weed everywhere you go. And <laughs> it's kind of like being in San Francisco. You just I was going to say that. You <laughs> That's great, man. I'm actually going to the Bahamas for the first time in February, so I can't wait for Nice. That. Yeah, we had, yeah, we had a great time. We really, really did. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Right now, Christmas Vacation because I'm in Christmas mode. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a classic, oh, yeah. my God. It's the best movie of all time. Uh, what is your go-to day off drink? Coca-Cola. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, lo- I love soda. Um, now, if I'm going to be doing a mixed drink, um, if I have any yingling that somebody snuck to me in California. Uh, you guys don't have that out there? Hell no, we don't have yingling. Mm. No. 
They, you got to tell the emperor to let that in. I man. know. No, Yingling. So Yingling only ships like to 22 states. Uh, I don't know that. Yeah, they're actually supposed to be next year. I heard they might be distributing in California through Molson Coors. But I got to give a shout out to my buddy Joe, who gave me a 32 pack of Yingling a couple weeks ago, and I've been crushing it. Very nice. Yeah. See, I grew up in New Jersey. We were oh, okay. like across the border from uh-huh. Yingling, so uh-huh. we always had it there. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved to Florida, you know, it, it meant nothing to me that we had Yingling. And then everyone was like, no, this is like liquid gold. Now, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, brother. Let me tell yeah, you. I guess. I guess. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a rum and Coke guy, though. Uh, if okay. I have yeah. a mixed mm-hmm. drink, I do like rum and Cokes or even Jack and Coke. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Captain and Coke kind of guy. There you go. So what was one of your most embarrassing bonehead rookie moves? Um, so I was on shadow phase. I think I was like two days away from being off training. And of course, you know, everybody's, uh, big and bad when you're that close to being off training. And, uh, I made an arrest probably for something stupid. Uh, thought I was cool and took the guy to the station. Uh, we go into the prisoner holding and you know, they usually have like the little gun lockers there where you put your gun in before you take the guy in prisoner holding. So I put my gun in the gun locker, lock it up, do what I'm supposed to do, take him in, do my paperwork, uh, you know, get ready to go, head out to the jail. I get in the car, get him in the car, the TO gets in the car, and boom, we're off to the jail. And it's like a 30-minute drive, 35-minute drive to the jail. And uh, I'm just shooting the shit and running my mouth and talking and telling jokes, and I'm as cool as a cucumber mm-hmm. until I get to the jail and I get out and I pop the trunk of my Crown Vic to put all my stuff in it, and I reach for my gun in my holster, and it's not there. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I, I went through this like, okay, do I tell him what I did or do I not tell him and see if I can get back to my station and get the gun back in my holster <laughs> without, him noticing. without him noticing? And I decide like everybody should to be honest about my mistake. So okay. I, uh, I go in, I said, hey, sir, I got to be honest with you. I, I did something really dumb. And he looks over at me. me, me you know, mind you, the guy's playing Candy Crush on an iPad okay, or whatever <laughs> the hell game it was back then. Yeah. And he's just playing this game, and I say, hey, I did something really dumb. i got to be honest with you about it. And he looks over at me, and he goes, yeah, I know. Go ahead and book the guy into jail. <laughs> the dude knew the whole time. And right, uh, yeah. so he, he had this conversation after I booked the guy into jail. And of course, I'm pissed the whole time. I'm all mean mugging everybody. And I'm like, god damn it, you know. <laughs> um, we get in the car, and he goes, well, do you feel stupid? I said, uh, yes, sir. I, I feel more stupid than I ever have on training. And he said, great. Not going to do it again, right? No, sir. Mm-hmm. Excellent. No reason to put it in your eval. Let's go back and work. So nice. it worked out okay, uh, yeah. but man, that was bad. See, you gotta, you have to respect a, tra- a training officer that does that. You know, he c- and you know we have kind of a saying here where it's like you can either give me an ass chewing or you can write me up. Like, don't give me both. Right. So, sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's good that he. Uh, that's good. That's a good move. Yes. What is your favorite on-duty hangout? Well, my desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, on-duty hangout. You know, when I was a, a younger cop, we used to have a 7-Eleven on the beat, and uh, we used to meet there at midnight. We called it halftime because we worked okay. six to six. So okay. halfway through the shift, we call it halftime, and just hanging out like that, you know, being out in the public and people walking by and saying hi to you and just shooting the shit with your partners. That's probably my, my coolest spot to be when I was working patrol. Yeah, I agree. I like that halftime idea. Good idea. Yeah, definitely. What was your high school mascot? Macaro. Like a cowboy? Yes. Nice. <laughs> I, had, I had to go to like eighth grade Spanish class to pull that one out. Hey, you were, it worked. Look, look at yeah, you. Yeah, see, I know I got to, <laughs> I got to write Mr. Perez a letter. Yes. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite donut? Mm, 
probably a uh, glaze and sprinkle. Like, or like, like an icing and sprinkle. You know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. white icing, the pink icing. The, the, yep, yep. Yeah. The, the Homer Simpson. Yeah. Mmm. Donuts. Yeah. yeah. That, I, I like those. <laughs> but other than that, just the regular glaze will do me just fine. Just simple stuff. Nice. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right. So uh, I always like asking this question if it comes to someone who's uh, more musically inclined. So, you know, big moment. You know, you're walking into a UFC fight. You're walking on to to win the game for whatever sport you want to pick. Huh. What is your walk on song? Relentless by Forensic. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's super easy to answer that question when you're writing the song and want to advocate right. for people to listen to it. Um, <laughs> no, probably, uh, probably like down with a sickness. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I you know some of those songs get me super thunderstruck. Thunderstruck yep. by ACDC. That's a good walk-on that's, song. Oh, absolutely. yeah. That's got a lot of punch behind it. Absolutely. Especially the intro to it. Like, that's, that's yep. all you need. Very simple. Builds up. Climactic. Huge. Yep. I, I play that, like, if I'm about to go, like, hot to a call or whatever. Uh-huh. It could be something like a shoplifting. I don't care. We're coming in hot. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what is the favorite police unit that you've been a part of? I really liked being a training officer. Okay. Uh, and, and I mean, and that's not specifically a unit, but um, being a training officer to me was a really, really cool job, a really important job. And um, I, you know, I love seeing people that were my trainees doing really, really great things in their career um, yeah. and being good cops. And it makes you, it makes you feel that maybe you had a, a touch to do with that. Um, that to me is probably my most rewarding position I've had. Right. And that's why people get into teaching to begin with is to see right. other people do well. So right. that's cool. All right, you got to pick one or the other, Kelly Kapowski or Topanga Lawrence. Mm, that's hard. <laughs> I'll go with Topanga. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like Kelly is kind of a like if you were an '80s baby, that would have been your answer. But since you're more of a '90s, Topanga yep, yes, sir. That's probably exactly what it came down to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What was your childhood dream job? Believe it or not, you're going to know right where the rap name comes from. I wanted to be a forensic, um, like, uh, crime scene tech. Okay. That's what, that's what I wanted to do. Um, before that, it was a pilot. But my main focus was crime scene tech, uh, and I, I guess I kind of did that. Yeah. Just a little bit that and then some, I guess, being, mm-hmm. a, being a law enforcement officer. But uh, that was the big, big thing. I remember I had a little uh, – I had like a little crime. It was when CSI was really big on TV mm-hmm. and I had like a, a, you know, little CSI kit with like fingerprint powder and dust and all the stuff that my mom, right. got me. I was super, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I was super cool. Putting the dust on all of her furniture. I bet she loved that. Yeah, She loved it. <laughs> if you weren't a cop right now, what would you be doing? A fireman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know, um, honestly, like I would really like to work with like, in the national parks. Okay. I think that would be really cool. Um, but aside from that, like a, like a realistic job that like I could actually like, I, I think being a pilot would be really, really cool. That's always been something I've been super interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Who is your favorite Looney tune? Oh my God. I don't even remember anybody's name anymore. <laughs> um, let's see here. Bugs bunny. I think, I think you got to go with bugs bunny. Mm hmm. Just because it's just his demeanor. He's just like, you know, he's just a 
just rolls with the punches and kind of handles business. Yeah. No shit's given. Uh, yeah, I like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we all need to be a little bit more like bugs. I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what has been your proudest moment in law enforcement? <sighs> um, I won Deputy of the Year once. That was really cool. Um, just to kind of see your, your work pay off for you and uh, have somebody recognize you for that. Um, but as far as like on radio calls, I mean, there's just so many things, man, over the years. Um, mm-hmm. If I can narrow it down to a type of call, it would be probably probably a call where you make a positive impact with the kid. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. to, just to have a kid kind of see you as the superhero that, the, that they want you to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think deep down in, in everyone's subconscious, that's kind of what they go for. That's what they want to be a cop for is to right. make an impact on someone small like that. Right. Sure. All right. This one's going to be a testy subject, especially with your anniversary being a few hours away. Okay. Descri- <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it, this will air afterwards. And she, she, yeah, yeah. You won't have time to be she, mad at me. Nice. <laughs> Describe your significant other in one word. I'm going to use the word patient. But there's a lot of words I could use, all very positive. Um, my wife is an incredible person, and anybody who follows her or, or sees her on social media, um, she is exactly who you see when we film videos and we do funny stories or whatever, and people, you know, her laugh and whatever. She's just a very, very happy and positive and um, very patient person, and she really, really makes me the best person that I could be. And that's, I think, what everybody should look for in a spouse, and I'm very, very lucky. Absolutely. Especially in this profession. I mean, yeah. you need someone that can keep your spirits up and be very patient. This job is not for the, uh, the weak minded or the weak willed. Right. So. And she is a tough cookie. Let me tell you. I mean, if there was honestly, like I would rather bring my wife into battle than half the people that I know or work with. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is, uh, she is tough as nails. Um, and she's just like me when it comes to everything. I mean, She's not afraid to call people on bullshit. She calls it how it is, and and I guess maybe I've rubbed off on her a little bit, but uh, <laughs> no, she's she's phenomenal. That's great. It's good to hear it. Uh, what's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? Um, when I wanted to apply to be a cop, I was told to start living my life today as if I'm already a police officer, and I have shared that advice to everyone I know who wants to be a cop. And and what they mean by that is if you start living like a cop today, you're going to make the decisions that you should be making and hanging out with the people you should be hanging out with so that a career in law enforcement is not outside of your reach. Now, if you ask any one of my trainees, the best advice I've ever given them is all calls will handle themselves if you give them enough time. (laughs) (laughs) Never discredit officer time. That's right. Hey, look, Look, a burglary is still going to be a burglary, even if you get there after lunch. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's the detective speaking right there. Yeah. Salty, for sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> what is your favorite late night snack? So I like, I like deviled ham with like rich crackers or saltine crackers. Okay. And I know that that's probably really gross, but maybe not to you because you're a Southern, a Southern boy. Uh, that, came, that comes from my grandma who is from Alabama. Um, ah, okay. So that or um, I, I have like an addiction to uh, sour punch straws. 
Okay. And yeah. they have like if you can buy them at the gas stations. They're you know like sour punch straws are super super thin usually and long. Yeah. They have ones that are like super short, but they're hollow and they're a little bit. I guess I guess they're they're bigger than the regular sour straw. Um, but they have those at the gas stations, and uh, I I devour those things. And I, I literally keep like three bags here at a time at the house. <laughs> and like at night, I'll just get up and have like a handful of them uh, when we're nice. watching TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to pay off well for me in the long run, but whatever. <laughs> that reminds me of like, for me, that would be like pull and peel Twizzlers. Same thing. Yeah. I'll just grab a bunch of them and I'm, I'm good for a few hours. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right, man. If you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you never met, who would it be? And what would you order? Um, well, I'm a history nerd, uh, specifically civil war history. Mm-hmm. I think I would love to sit down and have dinner with Abraham Lincoln. Um, I think simply just to see how his mind worked <laughs> and, yeah. and be around right. someone who, who did so much and, and so little time for the country. And what would I order? I'd probably get Abe a big old lobster tail, dude. <laughs> like I just, he was a, 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 a poor farm boy growing up. So I think, I think he could have done good with some lobster. Absolutely. I think you'd enjoy it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. All right, man. That concludes signal three. Woo! Uh, you did good. I, 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 I was going to say, how'd I do? How'd I do? Yeah, I think it was good. Not, not too much uh, thinking. You were pretty quick on your feet. Some people there, you know, some of their questions really tie them up. So that was good. You did good. <laughs> good. Uh, I thank you again for taking time to, to have a chat with me. I think uh, we really talked about a lot of things and, and kind of gave a good perspective on how, you know, how cops think. Yeah. about all this stuff that's going on. And I feel like not that we need a voice, but it's good to at least have it out there to people that do care. You know, most of my listeners are cops. Right. So I really appreciate you uh, participating with that. Thank you. Yeah, no, not a problem. And I appreciate you having me on. And, and I just, I do want to say just to everybody out there who is listening, um, who has supported me over the years. I, I really, really appreciate all the support everybody's given me and my, my videos and my music. Um, but I, I also want to highlight how much I appreciate the work that each and every, not only law enforcement officer does, but first responders, military personnel, uh, the things that they have done for our country and continue to do every day in the face of a lot of adversity. Um, you are my heroes, and I really, really appreciate you all. Very cool. And just in case someone is checking you out for the first time listening to this, um, what is some social media outlets that they can find you on? Uh, on Instagram, I'll be at uh, deputy underscore hook'em. Uh, I'm also on Snapchat with the same uh, deputy underscore hookem. Uh, on forensic uh, music, we have the forensic music uh, Facebook page. So just uh, go to Facebook and search forensic. Uh, should come up there. And then uh, there's also a deputy hookem and deputy hookem Facebook page as well. Uh, and music wise, if you're looking into the music, it's everywhere. So iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, it's out there. Search forensic. You'll find it. Awesome. Very cool. And I hope everyone checks it out. It's a great, uh, great stuff to listen to. And his videos are great for taking the edge off after a long day. So once again, Deputy Hookham, thank you very much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Take care. You too.
And we're back. I definitely want to thank and need to thank the always insightful Deputy Hookham for coming onto the show and having that conversation with me. Again, if you don't already, shame on you. But go follow on Instagram, Deputy underscore Hookham, as well as all of his other um, social media outlets, Facebook and and uh, all the ones that he mentioned, Snapchat. And check out his tunes on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you can get your daily music influx. And of course, check out the Humanizing the Badge movement and see the great things that these amazing cops are doing uh, for cops like you and I and to kind of connect the community with what we are doing as well. And if you ever see one of their events coming through, once all these shutdowns are over and we can live life again, please show your support. They, they appreciate it, absolutely. Now, from that conversation, we are going to move forward to today's Code 4 check. Over the last couple of episodes, I've talked from the gut about self-improvement. You know, I talked about moving beyond our cynical mind. And I know with these days, with all the nastiness and negativity, it gets more and more difficult. I think that's where it's important to unplug yourself from the world. A couple episodes ago, someone asked me, how do I get away from the news? Pretty easy. I turn it off. Um, Just recently, uh, this past week, I spent a little less than a week away with my girlfriend. She doesn't watch the news. I don't watch the news. We didn't check social media. And suddenly... There were no cares about that stuff. I didn't fret over Biden or Trump, BLM or RNC, nothing. It was just we enjoyed each other's company, enjoying the people that are around you. Uh, Now, I'm not saying live your life in ignorance, but when you take some time away from it all, it kind of calms everything down. And, you know, you can do like I did and, and get away for a while if you're able to. Um, you don't have to go far. You can go right up the road. You know, it's, you know, so I know travel restrictions are tight again, but, you know, if you can do that, great. Or you can just go for a walk or go for a run or spend an hour at the gym. Not only does that relax your mind, but it also works your body, which in the end is also very important. And as Dr. Delery told us a couple episodes ago, working your body will relax your mind and then you're more at peace. You're more comfortable and your body is working better. See? It's like these are all coming together full circle. It's like I'm trying to tell a grander narrative in these individual episodes. Crazy, right? Um, There are other resources too. Uh, Now, I'm far from a self-help expert or motivational expert or anything like that. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've been trying to read more and more books to be a better person. Um, You know, I I want to be the best person I possibly can be for myself, my family, and my community. Some of the podcasts that I've been listening to and leaning on quite a bit are the Order of Man podcast with Ryan Mickler and the Real AF with Andy Frisella. Those are two that have really been guiding me recently. Also, there is the Daily Stoic podcast with Ryan Holiday, of course. I, I haven't really listened to that in a little bit, but, um, you know, it's no secret. I'm big into Stoic philosophy. That is probably the uh, most popular Stoic podcast out there. There's also um, Stoic Meditations. That's one that I was listening to for a bit. Just great ones. Um, And there's also, of course, the Jocko podcast, the Goggins podcast, Joe Rogan, a million more. All you have to do is find them, look them up. It's not hard. If you, here's the thing with podcasts. If there's someone out there that you like, a speaker, a writer, a performer, an entertainer, put their name in your podcast finder, and you'll either find their podcast, because they probably have one, or one that they've been featured on. And, and you'll enjoy it, or you'll find the one that you do enjoy. 
Um, I was talking about reading. I just read Make Shit Happen by Sean Whalen. He's the founder of Lions Not Sheep. And he has a very similar mindset to the world and becoming the best version of yourself as uh, Andy and Ryan and you know the people that I just mentioned. So if you want to check that book out, I highly recommend it. I read it in one sitting and immediately started implementing the practices that he spoke about. And I can tell you that the return on that was instant. So a couple things that were kind of... Um, laying heavy on my mind I did what he said and you know things cleared up so you might want to check that out it's a shorter book uh, it was cheap on Amazon and you know if you have some time turn off Fox turn off CNN read a book yeah I feel I feel like I'm your father read a book <laughs> put down that that gizmo in your hand and read a book gizmo could be your phone or something else anyway uh, on to my next order of business. Uh, first off, this episode is my longest to date. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I cannot cut these interviews short. I'm sorry. Every time I try to edit out a segment or kind of get rid of a question, I realize that my guest always makes great points. And I really want you to hear everything they're saying. So if you have a problem with a longer episode, suck it up. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Um, also, Speaking of which, I just started a new thing with my podcast where I want you to call into the podcast. You can leave me a voicemail, and I'm going to play it on the episode. Of course, if you tell me not to, then I won't, but that's the idea. You call in, and I will play it. You can do shout-outs. You can ask me questions. You can leave a review. I really don't care. As long as it's appropriate, I'm going to play it. And if not, I'm going to yell at you and then um, delete it. But anyway, this is the first voicemail that I got sent to me. So here we go. Hey, what's up, Officer Y? This is Jake from the Midwest. I'm uh, fresh out of college, 22 years old, going into law enforcement. I'm in the uh, application slash hiring process with a couple departments, and I was just wondering if you had any uh, pieces of advice on someone my age getting into law enforcement as far as how to prepare myself, what I can do, maybe some things you wish you would have done differently, or just things you've learned along the way. Anything would help. Uh, love, the, love the podcast, you know, uh, Joe Rogan isn't getting it done with the law enforcement material and you fill you fill the the void I have here. So love the show. Can't wait to hear this episode, dude. All right, Jake from State Farm. I'm sure you never heard that before. Uh thank you for calling in and thank you for the kind words. Um you know if I could be the Joe Rogan of uh law enforcement that'd be pretty damn cool. Um I think the Joe Rogan of law enforcement podcast though wouldn't be able to do as many narcotics as the Joe Rogan in real life. Unless I guess the cop worked for Oregon. I guess that's allowed these days. Anyway, uh, happy to fill the void in your life. There was going to be a dirty joke there, but decided not to do that. Um, as far as advice and insight for getting into law enforcement, I think a lot of people will say or caution people to not uh, get into law enforcement young. But those are the exact same people that got into law enforcement at 18, 19, and 20. Um, I will say that when I – well, uh, as I talked about in a previous podcast, I didn't really have the normal college experience. I didn't get my degree until I was like 24, and even then it was only the two-year degree. It took me, what, six years to get a two-year degree. But hey, different strokes for different folks, right? We're talking about the void in your life, Jake. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no. You know – you got to get started somewhere. Um, so understand that I don't know what you majored in, Jake. 
I don't know what your background is, but I can guarantee you that when it comes to law enforcement, if this is your first go around in law enforcement, you don't know Jack. All right. And, and that's okay. Be trainable, be, um, be a sponge, you know, uh, the age old adage, you have two ears and one mouth. That means you're supposed to listen more than you talk. So when people give you instruction, take it. Don't, don't have excuses. Don't fire back with some rhetoric. No, just shut up, learn. If you don't get it, obviously speak up, but don't be like, well, in the police academy, they told, no, no one wants to hear that. All right. And if, if you mess up, fix it. And if you don't fix it, well, then you're going to get the, the tongue lashing that Hookem and I were just talking about. So that's my advice, Jake. Thank you for calling in. Uh, again, if you want to be a part of the podcast, if you want to contact me, if you want me to answer your question, if you just want to give a shout out to your buddies, whatever. You know what? I'm, I'm down for anything. That's kind of like an old school radio thing. Whatever, man. I'm here for it. Please give me a call. Uh, The number is 352-610-1692. Again, 352-610-1692. I'm going to put it in the description of uh, the episode as well as uh, what I post on Instagram. Um, It's not my personal cell number. I'm not that dumb. Um, So please call me up and leave a message. It'll go to this uh, voicemail and we'll play on a future podcast. So again, Jake, thank you for calling in and, uh, This should be fun. I really hope you guys take advantage of it. And if not, if you guys don't do it, then I won't do it. No big deal. No sweat off my back. All right, moving along. Uh, I am also going to be doing a special Christmas time special on the merch store. Uh, Right now, starting today, if you have an order of over $30 or more, use the code PODCAST, spell it, PODCAST, and you will get free shipping. It's really just a little something for me to thank you for your continued support And uh, in turn, it allows me to move forward with creating new stuff, uh, new merch, and new ideas that I have because y'all want giveaways, but giveaways don't pay the bills. Sorry. So this is the best I could do. Also, speaking of giveaways, any orders over $50 that you use the code podcast, you will receive a special limited edition 10-8 podcast sticker. Now, I will not be showing this sticker anywhere to anyone. All right, it's not going to be advertised. So if you're listening to the podcast and you use it, you're going to get it. Okay, it's not, you know, it's it's a secret. It's special. I'm trying to make something special with the podcast people. So if you want it, you need to order fifty dollars or more and use the code podcast. All right, that's simple. And is it something great? Is it going to be a Ferrari? No, it's not. It's a silly sticker. But you know what? Deal with it. I'm a meme page guy. That's it. That's what I got. (laughs) Anyway, I've got a whole lot more I want to talk about, but unfortunately, as I've made abundantly clear, I am not Joe Rogan, and I don't want this podcast to be three hours, so it's time to start wrapping it up. But first and foremost, I really want to take a second to thank everyone who has listened and supported this podcast. Um, Just to give you an idea of the stats, we have reached 48 out of 50 states. We have been played in Canada, the UK, Kuwait. Uh, by some of our troops that are holding it down. I really want to give a shout-out to Trooper and Captain Mike Lima. Come home safe, buddy. Um, We've also been heard in Australia, Germany, the Netherlands, Afghanistan, New Zealand, Belgium, Portugal, Russia, Iceland, Slovenia, Poland, Mexico, Japan, France, India, and the Dominican Republic. And that's just what's been reported to me by Anchor and Spotify and all the places. I'm sure there's more that just haven't been reported. So please, or... Not please. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I am so humbled and happy to have my voice 
and these ideas heard by all you amazing people around the world, around the country. Um, today, as of today, right now, as I'm recording this, my episode has been uh, played just under 6,000 listens, and we're only growing. So I really I want to thank you guys again. And if you are just checking this episode out, this is your first one because you wanted to hear what Hookham had to say or you know something, please go back, listen to the older ones. They age well. Um, they age like wine, not milk. So please check them out. Great episodes. We got Dennis Benino, Lamont Quarker, the Stoic Cop. We have the Jersey Boys, Elizabeth Dellery, um, and of course Nick Santos was last week. And I've got more coming next week. We uh, we have something actually a special report from the streets of Portland, Oregon. I have an anonymous police officer from the Portland Police Bureau that is going to give me insight over the craziness first-hand account of everything that they've been dealing with over this year um, under the agreement that this would be anonymous. We won't know their name. Disguising the voice like it's going to be like an episode of Drug Inc. And we are going to, we're going to talk, you know, as long as this person is still comfortable with me releasing it. If not, then uh, I will, I'll have to make something up on the fly, but that's the plan. So next week is going to be a special report from the streets of Portland, Oregon. I really hope you check it out. Um, it's going to take place at the Code 4 check, or not Code 4 check, Cop Council I had planned. Things change. Hey, we're busy people. I get it. So that's that's what I got, and I think it's going to be a great episode. Can't wait to do the interview uh, a little bit later this week. The music in the episode today uh, was Say Hey There by Atmosphere, Relentless by Forensic, because of course, uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC, and we're going to end in just a moment with Welcome by Fort Minor. Um, who is Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park fame, in case you didn't know. If you like the music I play, everyone always says that I should do a playlist. Well, guess what? I have. Uh, go to Spotify and check out the 10-8 music playlist that I put on there. There's tunes that are perfect for the gym or the squad car, and I'm actually currently working on putting the songs that I've used on the show on that list as well if they're not already there. So check it out. You may find something you've never listened to before. You may, you know, get re reunited with something that you used to like because everyone always says that my music taste is so retro. Whatever. Just like Hookham said, you know, I, I grew up with that stuff. It's it's good. It's nostalgic for me. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it and share it as far as and get it to as many people as you can. I want to get this reach as far as I can. Obviously, all those countries and all those states is amazing, but we can always do more and... I would like to. That's the whole point of this. If I just wanted to hear myself talk, then I would talk in an empty room, which I'm currently doing. But you know what I mean. Um, please follow 108 underscore memes on Instagram. Check out the bio link on that page for links to some different sponsored goodies. We have uh, coffee, energy drinks. The beginning of this episode, there's a, now a discount code for wine. You know, I just I want you guys to check it out. I want you guys to enjoy on my behalf. And uh, that's it. You know, I'm not trying to sell you things that I don't use or haven't tried or, you know, just giving you a discount code because I want the the kickback from it. I don't care about that. I really have no, I don't care. I want you guys to enjoy. These are things that I've used. These are products that I've used or currently am using. And that's that. So once again, everybody, thank you so much for all your support. It really means a lot to me. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And uh, like, I, like I said, go back, check the other ones. If you've listened to them already, listen to them again. Let's get those play counts up. Anyway, until we meet again, please be safe. Take care of each other. 10-8, out.
busted with it. First time I did it, yeah, I'll admit it. I kinda hit it and quit it and left y'all hanging, sangin'. Kinda off key with a passion. Asking, can I give you back that action? Yeah, I'm a blast in a hashtag fashion. And spell it out for you like a mass post caption. Get a close casket, fade to black. This is my spot, then I'm taking back. Get at me, park, I was made for that. Y'all don't really even know what you're aiming at. So far back, what you waving at? Y'all can't see the stage that I'm playing at. Y'all hating that, but that's why I do it. So tell me where the motherfucking haters at, cause I don't need their blessing now. I don't need their invitation. Ain't no way to shut me down. Wanna take this path of taking. 